Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. A couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about MTG in particular, their online client, MTG Arena. And even more in particular, we are doing our happy hour episode for the March of the Machine set. It's happy hour over here, uh, talking about all of the things we liked about the set, though maybe some things we didn't like about the set, and uh, yeah, drinking some beers, which leads me to, of course, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last, so with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, I am super excited for this, so... yeah. Especially recently on the show, there's been a lot of talk about Mad Tom, which is one of my favorite beers. It goes way back. It's like one of the first craft beers I ever had. They have a thing called Twice as Mad Tom, which is the double version of Mad Tom. It's even better, and it's a beer I've rated Mythic on the show in the past. It's amazing. Today, we're trying a different double version of Mad Tom that just came out. It is called Major Tom. Yes. <laughs> It is a hazy double IPA. Um, and so I guess the the idea is like twice as Mad Tom is like their West Coast double IPA. And this is like the hazy one. So this is their sort of East Coast version. Uh, yes. 8%. And uh, the can it comes is... in a gigantic can. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The can is huge. Uh yeah. It's 568 milliliters, so um, we got a we got a nice little extra bump there. It's it's major Tom, ground control to major Tom. Yeah, I mean, of course, great name, right? Yeah, I uh, I love it. I was <laughs> looking at it and found it, and I was like, oh my god, Jeff, have you seen this? And Jeff's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. I already have one for the show, so we picked him up, and uh, oof, it's uh, it's perfect. I'm very excited for this. Um, and it's going to be a very happy hour with that 8%. It doesn't even fit in the cup. It doesn't. <laughs> I knew that I would have extra. Um, yeah. So I'll probably have that at the end, maybe. I'll forget about it. It'll be a little sweet treat. Um, I don't know oh, if anybody nice. else does that, but uh, sometimes I like a little sweet treat at the end. Anyway, we have some magic news. Uh, next week, Lord of the Rings, the universe is beyond set for Magic the Gathering comes out on Arena June 20th. And then uh, following that, the Arena Open July 1st and 2nd are also Lord of the Rings Limited, as well as the Qualifier Weekend July 14th and 15th are also Lord of the Rings Limited. So we, uh, we will probably, as we've said before, focus on talking about the limited portion for the Lord of the Rings set since those cards will not be going into Standard or Explorer. So we are more interested in seeing what the draft format is like on Arena, and that will be kind of the way that we handle that set. Um, it's fantastic. I'm really excited that it's going to be in Alchemy and Historic as well. However, we will probably just not be covering that uh, portion of the set. Yeah, exactly. Not uh, formats we tend to talk about too much. Um, excited to do sort of a, a few limited runs of it. And mm -hmm. I, I like this, you know, we've talked about it before, but it's worth reiterating. I like this new system that when a set comes out, you have these like big uh, online tournaments uh, that yeah. are the limited uh, for that set. 
So you won't feel too far behind because nobody's really mastered the set yet. Yeah, exactly. So we'll probably have some sort of a set uh, draft primer for that right before the arena open. But this week, we're all looking to the past. We're looking at March of the Machine, Limited, Standard, Explorer, all the things that we have for Limited. Sorry, I'm about to burp. That was a burp. Um, for the uh, March of the Machine set, how we felt about it. <laughs> Which I feel like a lot of people know how I feel about it. Um, so I don't want to, I want this to be a true happy hour. So I do want to find the things I like about it. Um, not to, you know, give anything away, but Jeff, let's start with you actually. March of the Machine. Yeah. In general, how do you feel about this set? When you look at the artwork and the the packaging and, and what does it like evoke from you? So I think overall, like, you know, high level, I think this set did a good job of like accomplishing what it's set out to do, which is like, it really does feel like there are cards from a whole bunch of different planes it does kind of feel like a conflict because there are very clearly the Phyrexian and Phyrexianized versions of cards on each plane. And then mm -hmm. also the sort of defender version. It It is really cool to like, get to revisit just a few cards from some of the old planes that we haven't been to in a while. Um, and then some of the new Phyrexians are also like pretty cool. So in classic magic fashion, the art's great. Um, and then I think from a more targeted standpoint, um, the set, I really like it for constructed. I think it added a lot of really cool new cards um, both to existing decks uh, that, that were already around, but also allowed some new decks to actually become playable, like some new decks and archetypes to sort of emerge. And I think there's even more waiting in the wings. Like when I was looking through the card image gallery to put this show together, I was like, uh, well, there are so many cards here that I kind of forgot about that I really want to brew with. I just haven't had time. Uh, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of like all three levels are kind of hit it adds something to existing decks it created new decks or gave them some something to stand on uh, and then there's a lot of like brewer potential in here as well and some cards that i think you know they, they there could be an archetype built around them which nobody's just done it yet yeah absolutely i, I, think, I was just gonna say that was all great points and uh, i'm excited for the future of this set to see what else kind of comes out of the woodwork as we um, have our new long standard and see how much this set impacts that three-year standard yeah the flip side of things is uh you know personally i didn't love the limited format i just never fell in love with it so we'll have to talk a bit about that i think the really interesting topic of discussion from a high level viewpoint of was the set a success yes or no etc is we're gonna have to talk about battles mm -hmm. um, and so i think that'll be pretty interesting that'll be sort of the main talking point and and that's where my thoughts may not be totally positive yeah <laughs> maybe, they're maybe less happy in the happy hour at that point yeah um i i i do want to get to limited because that's where most of my feelings are but mm -hmm. as far as like having just as far as the world building and getting like the feel of having like a giant battle across multiple planes and all that stuff. Uh, I think they did a, a really nice job and it feels like we do have 
specific like seeing the set and seeing specific characters from specific places and be like oh no that person got uh completed oh fuck and like all that stuff was really exciting when the set was coming out and playing with a lot of those cards was really cool and like it definitely hit on all those marks that they're looking for flavor wise um and as far as the sets like the way it plays it is wordy for me a little um just because uh as we go into limited now i guess um there was just a lot of things to know about a lot of stuff and i think it was very deep maybe too deep for me and i don't i don't i didn't know that about myself and i know a lot of people love this draft format and think it's one of their favorites um so there's a lot of pro players talking about how this is like cracking their top five and stuff like that obviously i'm not a pro player so i have extremely different uh feelings about stuff and for me i was under not i wasn't underwhelmed i just like you said never really it never really clicked i never really felt like there's the deck that i fell into that i really loved um i always love drafting new formats and trying new stuff and going about it different ways and i'm really happy that the best color in this set was the worst color in the last set so being able to flip-flop between those two is really fun um and i think is a good way to design magic sets where you kind of know like this isn't going to work out in this set possibly as much it's more aggressive this color works better in this set because it's a little bit slower um or cares more about card advantage but personally for me i am ready for the next thing um i have yeah. tried it enough times to know that i might not have to do this anymore i think i'm i think i'm good i'm uh i'm, I'm ready to put it down right you, you've given it a fair shake you, you mm-hmm. know can't ask for much more than that yeah <clears throat> Yeah, um, that's a good call out about the set being super wordy too. That's something we talked about in the um, like first sips episode, and there's a real cost to that. Like when you're playing the set, you you notice that it's just so complicated, um, and in the cards that have penetrated, you know, some of the other formats. Um, I mean, some of them are actually the simpler ones, as it turns out, but some of them, like you know, the we saw Zergo and Ojitai mm-hmm. be a big player in the most recent event. And it's just like, what does this card do again? Like, it, it has, when does it have protection? What is it allowed to like bounce? It's, it bounces itself back when it hits what? Battle or a player? Okay. And like, but not only itself, but other dragons too. So it like has this right? other, yeah. like that weird clause is there. Um, and then it has like a weird anticipate thing also. Mm-hmm. And, that's part of the same clause. And like that card is not even one of the more complicated cards in this set. So mm-hmm. um, you really feel it when, when these cards start making their, their impact. Um, it's just like, oh, man, I have to read this thing like three times. Cause I keep forgetting what it does. <laughs> yeah. So it is nice to have cards like Yargle and Multani, which are just like, <laughs> this is the card and you just don't, you know, there's a bunch of words on it. You're like, oh, that's all flavor text. Oh my yeah. god, it's just flavor text. That's amazing. Uh, so they did a card. That... <laughs> it's really a card that just says, "This is the thing you sacrifice to flame." Like, yeah, like, that's what this is. 
basically. Yeah, how do you give this trample or anything? Um, anything more than it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's probably one of the things like this set will probably grow on me uh, through the years because there are mm-hmm. definitely going to be cards that like sneak up and be like, oh, did you forget about this card? And be like, absolutely, I forgot about that card because I stopped reading halfway through, um, which is, you know, always the joke with me that I don't read all the cards and, you know, that's like Zach's problem with the stuff. Um, but at the same time, it makes it more exciting later when I'm looking through, like uh, searching through things in Scryfall or trying to find cards for a deck. I'm like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot this card was a thing and it might fit this exact type of strategy if there are a couple more cards that come out that help out with the lands deck or something. Yeah, and I think that it has like a meaningful, you know, the, the making fun of Zach for not wanting to read cards has like a meaningful lesson in it too that I'm going to try to be aware of because it's so easy to forget about. But when a new set comes out, we should reevaluate this one because there's got to be stuff in here that is seeded for, mm-hmm. for the future. And like, you probably just ignored it because you, your brain kind of has to, you can't process all of this information. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it's particularly important for like, if you're building a deck, you have a deck and there's one problem, like, Oh, I cannot beat this card. Like I cannot beat the the five color ramp deck. And the card that does it is is whenever it's, you know, when they play Sunfall or or if I just can't get under them and then they play a track set and I'm cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a very specific problem like that, that's when you can like pull up Scryfall, open the set and just start actually reading the cards in your colors. Because there's a reasonable chance that there's a card in here that just trumps, like just solves your problem. You just didn't know about it because you weren't explicitly looking for that at the time. And your brain yeah. is filtering out information so quickly because it's like, you have to you have to be like oh i'm not interested in that card at the moment i'm not interested in this one this one catches my attention let's read that um mm-hmm. absolutely just what you have to do so i think it's super helpful just keep in mind especially if you're frustrated by something that's a good time to go be like are there cards that just just hose this mm-hmm. and you might think oh you know like saying i have a hard time against five color somebody would have figured it out already because um you know, that's a popular deck. Like, don't assume that because I've often found cards that are just like perfect sideboard cards that nobody seems to be playing because they're just too complicated. Like, they didn't have a reason to show up earlier Mm -hmm. and like nobody gave them a second read. They just kind of wrote them off. That happens like all the time. Mm -hmm. It's one of the problems of the like meta gets solved in a day is a lot of cards just essentially just get forgotten about. And that doesn't mean that they're useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just means that they weren't they weren't relevant in the initial iteration of the deck, but yeah. then got like cemented. Mm-hmm. And then there's like certain issues that people would just be like, well, if uh, the pros didn't find it, then like there isn't a solution, and right. that's definitely not the case. And if you're interested in getting better at the game, um, work you know work through that stuff like maybe you have your pet card that you think like this is the card and you're yelling from everywhere this is the card that beats everything and uh, Mm -hmm. no one will listen to me well hey you could be right uh just keep shouting it show your deck lists and your your stuff and you know maybe one day it'll catch on so yeah and it's just kind of 
it depends on your personality, I guess. I find it fun to have that pet card. I'm like, how mm-hmm. does nobody, how does nobody else see that this is the best card ever? It's so obvious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or like my my reverse pet card, which I've done many times on the show. It's like, how did nobody see that this card stinks? Yeah. Why is everyone playing it? Um, what they banned it? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I just love I love that. <laughs> if we could go back in time and talk to Jeff at like you know last year in Kamigawa and be like, hey, record or Bankbuster is gonna get banned in standard, and you're gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, no. Though to be fair, at the very beginning of that, if you told me that uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker is gonna get banned, I'd be like. Really? True. Yeah. So, yeah. You never know. So, that's a perfect segue into this set. Also, like, there are possibilities that we don't know yet. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you can always, all the things we were saying earlier could possibly be true. The hidden potential isn't there yet. You never know what cards are going to print that make other cards so much stronger. Um, but at this moment, I'm. I'm happy we're moving on, you know. I'm ready for I'm ready for something new and I'm ready for uh the old card types again and being able to put new card types to rest for a while. Um mainly obviously battles. I think that uh well Jeff, I really want to hear your thoughts on it because it's probably smarter than what my thoughts are. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll piggyback off say that. off of whatever you have to say. <laughs> battles um, no good. Battles <laughs> not good. Uh, so I think battles play fine in general. Like the play pattern is sort of what's promised. Like mm-hmm. when I saw that, I read the card, I was like, this is probably how it plays. That does tend to be how it plays. I think there's a couple of issues I have with the execution here. The first one is like, like we already talked about, the set is so insanely complicated that, um, the new card type and then they didn't make simple battles either they made really complicated battles and it was just like i don't understand why this was the way to if this was like an absolute flavor slam dunk mm-hmm. then maybe which is essentially what they said yeah. the re- is the reason that all these battles are in there uh to me i never really agreed with that i think it's like a flavor it's okay like it Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense, but it also kind of doesn't make sense. Um, so that's that's pr- presumably why they did this. Is like, oh, we just have to do battles here. That's why we're going to do the more complicated version of, you know, like a battle, the, the which is a siege, mm-hmm. uh, before the regular version of a battle. I think that was a mistake in retrospect. I think these mm-hmm. should have just been more normal cards, much simpler, so that we could understand like the intricacies of the play patterns behind these things before sort of graduating to the like ridiculous versions yeah my other main critique is there's way too fucking many of them like 36 there's so many battles that when i see it i'm like what does that do and then luckily if i play constructed there's only like two of them that don't suck Mm -hmm. so nobody ever really plays any of them but it's that's just like another reason. Just do like a smaller subset, like one in each color, and then like a multicolored one for Teferi or whatever, and then make them simpler. And I think this could have been a slam dunk. Yeah, um, a third the, of the number we had. Do the five color one, the two color one, and then 
I guess no, that that would be ten two color ones. Anyway, you, you can do that too, right? One for each color pair, and then you have yeah. ten. Like mm-hmm. that's totally that's more manageable. This was like there are some there are so many like green ones. Mm-hmm. Every time a green one gets played, I'm like, which one is this? There are like a bunch of of the same dual color pair that's just like confusing because you're like, ah, I thought this was the other one. Um, they should have just been a bit more. I think they should have eased into this a little more. Like I get, I so I get the, the the problem. Like the reason that they had so many is because of the number of planes that they were invading, and mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that all of them got their day in the sun, basically. Um, right. Which is fine. However, you know, I love Invasion of Gobakan. I think that card's awesome, and I'm really happy that we have it. And it's one of my favorite ones. And it's showing what I like about battles. I wish it was Invasion of anywhere else do you know what i mean like yeah. that was the joke initially was the vision of gobacon the only people who know what gobacon is are the people who read like the war of the spark novel which i unfortunately did read and so <laughs> i knew what that was but like besides that no one cares <laughs> yeah i mean i understand the flip side gives you protection for your creatures and puts plus one plus one counters on something sure. similar to teo's light shield and blah 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 but I don't know. It's yeah. I see that it's flavorful. Don't get at me. I get it. I understand. I just think that we don't necessarily need to know what Gobacon is because I hope yeah. that I hope we don't have to. I hope I hope we don't go there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. Right. <laughs> Next year they're gonna go into Gobacon. <laughs> you know, it's like everyone's yeah. got light shields. Every creature taps and prevents <laughs> three damage or something. We have and, to get into the Teo's light shield debate again. Yeah. Oh man, that only like solidified our friendship. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a long story, folks. Maybe you'll have to be part of yeah, our like Patreon to hear that. That'll but... be for that episode. You know, once mm-hmm. once we go to Gobacon, uh, you'll uh, hear all about Teo's light shield. Um, and the thing about Invasion of Gobacon is it's like the simplest one. Yeah, and that's what I think, and it just does the thing that you want it to do, and it's like nice. Most of them are like really, really complicated and then bad. You're like, why did I read all that? Why does this card exist? Like, is it just for limited? Were they just trying to make the limited form? Like, you don't need the complexity, in my opinion, to make a good limited format. Although it seems like, it seems like there's this pros like it because it's complicated, so then everyone else likes it because the pros like it kind of thing. Yeah. so yeah, I just happen. yeah, it, that does happen. Um, I just want to say everyone out there who like is kind of waffling on this set, you're not alone. Don't think that yeah. you're supposed to like this. You can like whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. It was very. You're allowed to dislike it. Like this, sometimes it could be like, oh, the pros all like this, so if I don't like it, I'm missing something, or I'm, it's because I'm not as good as them. Like, no, you're allowed to just not like something. Yeah. At the same time, if you're listening to us talk about it like this, and you're like, oh, wow, I really liked it. Like, you do you. If you really liked it, keep playing it. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I was you, honestly. It's right. much better to like something than to, to not like something. Because having yes. more good things in your life is better. And I would rather like more stuff. Such a simple concept, but it took me so long to learn that from like a... Like overarching life perspective. Yeah. Ugh, Green Day's the worst. What a horrible band. I don't like that. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. American Idiot, terrible. No. Meanwhile, you're like humming it. And you're like, yeah. oh, wait, I can't. No, I, 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 I can't like that. 
only yeah. only songs from Dookie were good, but not American Idiot. <laughs> like stuff like that. Like it's fine, yeah. man. Like just if you liked all music, that would be sick because you could just find something you like all the time. Like no yeah. matter where you are, they're playing something you like. So it's same with magic sets, right? So I wish that like it just it I think more so, and I think having that conversation has brought me to this point right now is that I'm more sad and disappointed that I didn't like the set that I really wanted to like the limited format. And I don't also, I don't think that there's something inherently flawed with it. I just, it's not what I wanted and makes me sad. I was, I was just hoping for something else. Yeah. So like, I think the, the battles provide a good transition. I don't think the battles are the only are like the only only thing wrong with the set in terms mm-hmm. of why I didn't love the limited format, but they encapsulate sort of the the reason that I've come to convince myself is the case, which is just that it requires so much upfront investment to play this set because mm-hmm. it is so complicated. So in order to get into this set, I have to basically either read a lot or play it a lot before I'm like really starting to recognize cards. Like there are so many just red battles Mm -hmm. that all look very similar. And I just have to like, in order to get to the point where I know what they all are, like some of them even have the same casting costs. Like, come on. I know like that's between a rare and a common or a rare and an uncommon, but still it's like, this is, there are just too many things. There are two blue uncommon, like uh, battles that cost three blue and they have four counters or whatever. I'm just like, God, you're, you're taking away all my shortcuts to like learn the card quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so in order for me to get to a point where I'm really enjoying the set, I have to uh, play so much of the set. Um, and I, for me, it was too, that request was too large for the original hype of the set to carry me through it. Cause usually what happens is every set has upfront investment to get to a point where you're really enjoying drafting it. Mm-hmm. like to keep it the longevity there but you're normally you're so hyped about at the start that you just draft to like build your collection and play the new set and like it doesn't matter that you don't know what any of the cards do you're still having a great time and then by the time you would start to be like okay it's it's but uh, that hype is wearing off you now know what all the cards do and you just see the picture and you pick it and like you're in that that sort of rhythm this set the the hype didn't last long enough to get me to a point where I could just look at the cards and know which one does what and which one I should take and like what archetype mm-hmm. I should be moving into and stuff because the, it was just too complicated. So that's like my, me looking back on if I tried to diagnose why I just kind of stopped playing the set. Cause it, for me, I just drafted a bunch of times. I wasn't like, Oh, I hate this. I, I was actually winning a lot, which usually keeps me going more than I normally would. But most of that was fueled by, I, I identified like draft one that blue was very good. Um, but then I just kind of stopped playing it. And so this is me like thinking about why did I just stop playing it? And I think this is basically the answer that combined with the fact that there were a lot of awesome constructed things I wanted to try. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. that's enough. I got, I got some wild cards. I'm going to go try some constructed stuff. Um, but it just didn't grip me. And I think that's why it's like, it's asking too much of me. Uh, and it didn't have the like hype to back it up to get me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think I had a very opposite uh, situation where I just lost a lot and <laughs> yeah. would get to the where I was like a glutton for punishment because I was just like, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I go in fighting two, three. OK. All right. Not so great. Go back in one, three. All right. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll do it. Go in. Get a couple three threes. I'm like sick. Okay, all right. I'm not getting totally destroyed. And then you get a couple oh threes in a row, and you're like, ah, eh, I'm gonna put this down. You pick it back up, and you do it again. You're like, all right, well, you know, what? maybe I don't need to play this anymore. So mine also is definitely I was losing. So uh, losing is not always fun, and you just watch your gem count go down, and you're like, well, I think I have to stop doing this, and I'm not super invested in getting super into it. So maybe I just won't. Um, which is also fine. So, yeah. And that, I mean, that gets you down. Like even when you have one bad night where it's just a bad night, you're like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Like I committed some time to play this and I just got my ass kicked all night. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're just like, okay, I got to shake it off, get back mm -hmm. in there tomorrow. And for that, when that happens a few times in a row, yeah, um, it is disheartening. Uh, sure. And this this is like a thing that is a concept in gambling, like in poker. It's why you have to have so much more money than like you think you do in order to play like whatever blinds, the $10 blinds say. You have to have so much more money than you think because even if you're really good and you're like 60%, winning 60% of the time, if you play long enough, you will lose 10 times in a row. Mm -hmm. Like that's just going to happen even if you're you have a great strategy. I think it's similar in like, you know, trading or whatever. You, you'll lose a bunch of trades in a row, even if your trades are all good. Um, and so you need way more money than you think. And it's sort of similar in magic. Like it can happen that you're not really doing anything wrong, just losing all the time. And that, mm -hmm. that's like soul crushing because you're like, what am I supposed to do? So should I try to learn from this? Should I take like the wrong lesson away? Um, it's also possible you were just doing the wrong thing in the format, right? Like That's also definitely possible. Um, but it wasn't so bad that like, I didn't want to try. I definitely played in person and I was like, you know what? I'm going to draft a person. It's so fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's time to move on to the next one and get my ass kicked by that set too. Cause you know what? I'm, I'm, like I said, glutton for punishment. I'm ready for more. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next thing and, and get rocked. Um, before we move on to our worth of slots, um, I was going to say like, wow, I have so much beer left, but it's, I even have more beer left because I know that I have this, uh, this going on. Yeah. Um, the battles are something that I'm really interested in because like yeah. the ones that made it into standard, as we start to talk about more constructed formats, which I have enjoyed a lot of the cards actually, um, Invasion of Gobicon made it into standard as well as Invasion of Tarkir. I have seen. Mm -hmm. Is there another one that you were thinking of besides those two? Yeah, so I, I would say for me the the biggest one after, or maybe even with Invasion of Gobicon is Invasion of Zendikar. Oh, right, the, right, 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 right. The yeah. one that fetches the two lands and it like combos with Topiary mm -hmm. Stomper. Mm -hmm. um, that one seems it might even be the most common one, just because it's it's played in all the five color control decks and they tend to play a lot of it. Um, otherwise, I've seen like here and there, we've seen Invasion of Amonkhet 
make a splash in like the mm-hmm. reanimator decks in that the, the most recent standard tournament invasion of new phyrexia was like a fun of in uh the dragon's deck mm-hmm. but for the most part like yeah those the ones you mentioned along with invasion of zendikar and then sometimes they have a random like invasion of is it ixalan the other the like smaller green one um but I don't think that card's very good, so I don't think they should necessarily should be playing it. Yeah, I uh, I did run into a um, like a white black tokens deck in oh, standard. I love that. That was playing <laughs> Invasion of Tolvada, which I know you don't do know what that. it is, but I it's I do not. I don't even know a, what Tolvada is. <laughs> I I also don't know what Tolvada is, um, but uh, so it's. Um, three white black for a, a five like defender uh battle siege and when it enters the battlefield you get to return target non-battle permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield so basically the whole deck is like it's fine if my battle doesn't flip because i'm just using it as a reanimation target uh, or sorry spell so they're using this instead of all the other pieces however they weren't reanimating like a traxa and stuff so it was totally reasonable um but when it flips it just says creature tokens you control get plus one plus zero and have lifelink and then at the beginning of your end step you create a one one white black spirit creature token with flying yeah so it it was good enough to get there with whatever deck i was playing i can't remember um because i didn't really know what was happening I was expecting them to be playing a similar deck to what I was doing. And I was like, oh, something else is happening. And I don't know what's yeah. going on. And, oh, you're just flipping this thing for an Anthem? Oh, that's a really bad, that's really bad for me. Because mm-hmm. you were at like three. And now you're going to gain a bunch of life. That's yeah. Yeah, all yeah, your creatures so are tokens. This is really bad. Yeah, I mean, I actually do know what this card is. Because I was considering oh. it for my Phyrexia deck because it play it actually has so many tokens and mm. it tends to have a lot of tokens and then there's also stuff you want to reanimate so you would be sort of semi-interested in both sides i think i decided it's just too expensive for the deck ultimately yeah um, and this really does need a at the time i think i thought like this needs to be all in on tokens um for it to be worth it but the backside is crazy right like plus one mm. plus so lifelink bitter blossom like like a anthem bitter blossom thing yeah it's really good um but this, this card just might be a little too expensive like anyways i think that i kudos to your opponent because i love that just white black yeah. tokens and this thing's your payoff that's great it was pretty uh, sweet i would love to try that and like sure there's some like some solid planeswalker like there's so many planeswalker options for that deck with soren and uh some of the elspaths and um the wandering emperor and stuff it's like oh yeah to get a you, bunch of shit you could, you could pick any number of different planeswalkers that's true um, they were so playing full cool. planeswalker stuff but they did have um uh i think their main reanimation target was just shieldred like regular just shieldred no words afterwards um yeah which uh i don't remember how they got into their graveyard but anyway um cool deck uh and cool thing so there are little tokens like this is one that i definitely looked over um literally like we were just saying about uh the different invasions just because well first of all with the battles i don't want to turn my head all the time to read yeah stuff. 
Um, so that's, that's why we play on arena. You got to just hover over it and get it. Yeah, and it flips. It has to go the right way. Um, but so with that, just like in inherently, I know we're harping on battles a lot, but like, yeah, man, if if they if they eased us up like into it, it it would be so weird if we got sagas for the first time and they flipped into creatures and enchantments. Right. And like, what if Fable of the Mirror Breakers, the first saga you see, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's just, and there was, you know, 35 of them Mm -hmm. and the rest of the set is equally complicated. And also other flipping cards as well as cards that care about double-sided cards in your deck. Yeah. Um, It's just too much. And like, I, I do think this execution like suffered a bit because of it. Um, so you know t- to sort of recap i think i think i probably like battles i'm not so hot on sieges especially as like the introduction of battles yeah um and i think that if you were going to do that that means to be the thing you're doing like the rest mm-hmm. of the set is just a normal set and the thing you're doing is you have 35 of these or 33 whatever it is of these like new card type that's that's quite complicated and like could generate some interesting play patterns, but it's just the combination of most of them kind of seem like they're bad and are very, it takes a a lot of reading for me to come to that conclusion. And it's like a new card that takes me longer to parse. Like I, if I read a creature, I, I just have these auto, like that that casting cost is too high. I don't Mm. need to read this. Um, I don't have that for sieges. So to me, they just kind of got like left behind. And maybe, maybe the idea is this sets around sort of quote unquote longer as the newest set in standard. People are going to be going through the set to try and find new ideas over the summer. And then people will pick these up. But uh, to me, it was just like, uh, is this really how we wanted to debut an entirely new card type? It feels like kind of a, like a want want to me. Yeah, a little it definitely wasn't a home run slam dunk. Exactly. So yeah. That's and I think I think it could have been. It could have been if they just like had the maybe the next set has, you know, like we said, or yeah, like we said, it's 10, they're simpler. Or mm-hmm. it's like this is the only complicated thing. There are a number of solutions, but basically it's just too much going on. These got kind of lost in the in the chaos and yeah. uh just too many like really really wordy bad cards that then you don't need them you don't need those to exist yeah it's it is that thing where like we won't get a palette cleanser you know what i mean like throughout magic just in general and especially with this time of the year this tends to be a really complicated set at this time of year, right? Like last year, sure. Okay, that was New Cabana. So like three color set, but they put it in in this part. Before yeah. that, you get uh, Strixhaven, which was also really wordy. Before that, you yeah, get super wordy. Ikoria, which was really complicated with Mutate and this weird new mechanic and Companions mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Before that, you get like yeah. War of the Spark. Before that, and you keep going back. They like to put it at this this time of year 
which traditionally was the most complicated set feasibly right before the core set in the summer. Now they took away the core set yeah. and now we don't get our palate cleanser anymore. <laughs> so I don't know if they're, they're thinking that something else will like let us decompress for a while and like relax over the summer experience outside and come back just for some fundamentals of magic whenever it's raining which is what corsets were all about. No. Not to mention being an awesome on-ramp for new players. Because if a new player comes in and reads the set, like, what are they going to think? Oh, fucking sick. Kiss. Mm. Goodbye. Goodbye. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck you. You can't yeah. play magic. They're going to go back to Hearthstone or whatever. Yeah. And like, this is insane. Like, I feel like we had someone ask us recently about, like, drafting this set. And honestly, I think my opinion would be like, you should, if you don't draft very much, don't draft this set. Like, draft something else. Yeah. It's, it's, it is great for the folks that want to draft it a hundred times. Right. If you love gonna, draft and that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. I also love draft, though I don't have a bankroll to like be able to let me uh, fight through a dry spell that they do. So, bankroll, that's the, uh, that's the word I was looking for earlier. And oh, for the poker to, thing? Just tried to blow past it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't have that. So if you're ready to blow a bunch of money on something, sure. You know what, Jeff? I feel like we're falling down the hole. I'm I'm bringing us down this hole, like a full lot. Yeah, but so I, I think Major Tom is bringing us down this hole. But mm-hmm. I, uh, it's it's his fault. But it's pulling me into outer space, and nothing really matters <laughs> anymore. And I'm just floating <laughs> yeah, around. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Fucking whatever. Um, one one last high level thing we didn't totally touch on that I yeah. wanted your opinion on um, before we you know I know it's we're already running long here but uh, with a long beer too I just put yeah, exactly here. <laughs> um, what did you think or like what 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 are your thoughts at this point on the double legendary creatures the team up pairs of legendary oh. creatures. You know what? I'm really glad you brought this up because I hate them. (laughs) I really don't like it. Um, Mm -hmm. And man, you know what? I was just saying about how I was trying to be more positive and like be (laughs) nice. Um, I know that they were really popular and they are really popular and a lot of people really like them and that's fantastic. And I'm really happy with yeah. them. And I also, at one point, let's, let's rewind in Zach's life. Um, if you remember, and I've heard stuff when war of the spark came out, um, our play group, a few of us got together and we made um, commander decks that were like flavor themed. And so the mm-hmm. flavor of my commander deck was Gideon riding Rakdos because there was a moment in War of the Spark where Gideon rides Rakdos with um, the sword. I can't remember which what it's called. And he's going to kill Bolas. Doesn't work, but like there's a card. Unlikely Aid is the card. Yeah, Black Blade, um, I think. Black Blade Reforged, thank you. Anyway, so I thought that was hilarious. I thought, oh, this is so funny. There's like Rakdos and Gideon. You'd never ex- like expect this. And it's just hilarious that he's like riding on top of him. Um, now it's 
it's funny to me when I get to decide that that's how what my can- commander deck is about. And I pick all the cards that say Rakdos and Gideon and I put them together and I just like, this is my jokey deck that no one really thought of. It's less funny when they give it to you, mm-hmm. which is commander's number one problem is yeah. that they're prescribing you stuff. Yes, they are literally giving you prepackaged funny things hey hey read this and laugh with your friends um it's it's it doesn't it takes out some of the humanity of of what is happening what what people want to take like the we talked about before multani and yargle or Mm -hmm. yargle and Mortani, whatever um it it hits the joke again of Yargle too hard. They already hit Yargle really hard. Oh my god, yeah. Like the every Yargle September is- and like all that stuff. Like it was really funny when he did it once. It's it's just the same thing as like um in Aftermath with uh Arne who gets another horn in his head. Like it's it's the classic like Disney and Marvel thing where it's like, hey, that thing worked. Let's do it again and again yeah. and again and again until yeah. it's the just horrible. Um so that's how I feel about the team ups. Um, I also already have a, a a feeling of I don't like partner commanders when they made that in Commander. This is all back when I used to play a bunch more Commander. I didn't really mm-hmm. like it. It just because it felt it doesn't really like it's cool the idea. I just didn't really like it, and I never wanted to build around them. And I know a lot of people that really liked building around them, but for whatever reason, having two names for your commander was just something i never liked so this has the same feeling and it it just comes across that way so so no i was never really interested in these cards i wasn't excited besides thalia and the gitrog monster but that's mainly because i wanted to play thalia and the gitrog monster yeah exactly that's the only one i I like (laughs) i like that one because i just want to play the gitrog monster the fact that there's some sort of Thalia thing in there is whatever, but um, I just I just Thalia gives it first strike and makes their stuff enter tapped. So I don't care about that. It's like half. The it's card. all about weird like land sacrificing and like milling That's and death touch. About. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I have heard that the, some players complain about Commander that like they just not not just in this creative way that you're alluding to like this takes away some of your creativity because they're making the joke for you. Like just in general, they print new commanders that tell you exactly what to do. Like it's very clear mm-hmm. what cards need to be go in your deck for this to be good. Um, so it takes away some of the fun and creativity that happens there. I think that's just the natural progression. Like you said, with Marvel, it's the same thing. Like people react positively to something and they, they don't just double down on it. They, they, you know, 10 times they go down 10 times on it until yeah, they photocopy until it they see yeah, two years yeah until they see the money not come in anymore and then they're mm-hmm. like okay i guess we dry it. it's dry um yargle and multani is a good example because like yargle and multani stats are double yargles right mm-hmm. like yargle's a nine three and it's an 18 six and i don't get it because like i don't think multani had anything to do with doubling no. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, Boltani must be at the very least like two star, two star or something where star is something. Mm-mm. I don't think so. Boltani was just like number of cards in hand or some shit. As uh, lands you control, but yeah. 
Right, but like, well, I think there were two versions. There were two versions, but the but, most uh, recent, yeah. Yeah, we might be talking about different versions, but I also probably am just misremembering, but like, I didn't get this one. Like, why is this one just twice Yarkle's stats? Like, because it feels you're... very particular because they chose 18 6. Mm-hmm. But Multani is not also a 9 3. Multani does not, like, they should have. Multani has know, a should've... bunch of abilities. Like... Right. Multani is not vanilla. They should have picked like two vanilla creatures and just added their stats. <laughs> well, it, would it be funnier if it was like Multani and Grizzly Bear? You know, that would be. <laughs> hilarious but like <laughs> i mean it wouldn't be drastically better um it has the same feeling as like multani and 15 squirrels or whatever you know like that's the kind of thing that we not multani sorry a yargle, yargle I, 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 yeah I, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yargle and, and whatever but you know through this conversation it made me think of where magic makes and I, this is the i think we need to get to the next segment because this has been going long but yeah. i think magic makes their best jokes in the artwork of cards most of the time i think that when a card is designed a certain way the joke doesn't always land like sometimes there are little ones with different uh, mechanics and stuff where it's kind of funny but the jokes i've really enjoyed the most i think are in the art so like either it's a joke like um remember in tarkir where there's like the um it's like epic punch or something it's a yeah. fight spell and it's like a guy punching a bear and then there's like one where he's now punching a dragon because dragons come back and then yeah. they made an unglued version or unhinged or whatever um or whatever that unstable where it's whatever. a bear yeah. punching a dragon like yeah. that Classic. is like a funny magic joke that i really yeah. like um, or they have different pieces of magic art that fit together and make funny things or like um, uh, funny other stuff just with like different types of creatures or like uh, totally lost and then and kind of making him a creature or whatever. Those little things are nice and I like those. Uh-huh. It's less funny when it's like feels like huge big things where it's like, hey, here's two random fucking beasts together. Or like, yeah. like, no one's ever really excited when they say, oh, it's mind rot stapled with whatever, you know, like that, that doesn't make you excited for something. So when it's like two cards literally stapled together, it's like, that's not exciting. And it's not right. really f- f- fun. But that's also yeah. my own opinion. And you're entitled Again. to yours. Yeah. people feel free to disagree you know if you like them that's awesome if Um, you like them please at us at arena regulars on twitter and instagram because honestly i want to have a fight with you because you're totally wrong (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna go a different way on that one but all right we're gonna double down on that like if you like them you're wrong uh Mm -hmm. and at us come come at me bro come at us these Um, are lame the only thing i was gonna say is like i'm glad you brought up the bear punch because like when you were talking about Gideon riding uh, Rakdos, Rakdos, I know that happens in the story, but it only actually happens in one card that's like an instant or something. And it mm-hmm. just has Gideon riding Rakdos in the art. It's not like Gideon and Rakdos with that back to back, like yeah. smiling at the cat, like in a buddy cop photo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you appreciate it that way more. So that's another card that like, it actually exemplifies your point. And I wonder if a lot of people were like you and loved the the idea that Gideon in this trying time of this war, Gideon and Rakdos came, had to come together and they just like milked that in this one. Like, I wonder if that is specifically the thing that made this happen, that people liked that. Um, because it's exactly the same thing now that you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and if they made a card that was called Gideon and Rakdos, I would not have liked it nearly as much. Right. A lot more people would have a Gideon riding Rakdos commander deck, mm-hmm. but you would not. Correct. I would not have, not even a little bit. Because so, it would be like Gideon riding Rakdos is my commander. Yeah, which is a dumb name for a card. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think like my take on these just to get in there real quick on like, uh, just like I feel like you forget like okay you read this initial joke maybe like it maybe you don't you eventually forget that like I don't know Hidetsugu and Kairi is like these two things that came together and, and got stapled together and you just know oh that's the card that these control decks play as their win condition they're trying to hit whatever um breach off the top and it ends up just and generally i found like only the half that tends to be one of the legendary creatures like ends up mattering it's the good part of the card yeah. mm-hmm. and so it just feels like these are really like weighted they're really like there's a lot of text on them. They, they're very expensive, but then like people only really care about one of the things and you kind of forget the whole joke when it actually becomes a part of the metagame and it just doesn't matter. And you're just like, I don't know how much from a arena player's perspective, like these are clearly mostly aimed at commander. From mm-hmm. arena player's perspective, it just, again, with the battles, it feels like unnecessary added complexity. That's true. Though, I mean, like to be fair, like no matter what card it is and what flavor it is if it's a card that fits into a deck that's trying to do a thing like you will always just think of it as whatever it does um if it's like played at high level stuff but you yeah. are right that are that for the most part you're really looking at one portion of it if it's going into any deck and like very similarly like the you you were talking about Zergo and Ujitai so the only reason that that card was in that deck is because it has flying and haste and it has hexproof at that turn. Right. Because the point is that you're trying to get Obacon and then flip it and then it has protection forever. And then there's an added sprinkle bonus of if you wanted to look at the top three cards and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is most of these cards just aren't really going to see competitive play because you only care about one part of the card, but you get all this other stuff at and an it extra costs cost. twice as much, yeah. Uh, and it's it's just adding to the set's complexity, but not adding a ton to any of the formats because the the cards are just too expensive to really be viable, even mm-hmm. if they do cool some cool stuff. Yeah. Agreed. So, you know, ultimately, maybe it's just not for us, which yeah, that is certainly true. an important question to ask yourself over and over again when you play Magic. Is this for me? And that is a question we asked ourselves about the Lord of the Rings set, and we realized that the draft format is for us, but the rest of it is not. So, um, and being able to go into this, I actually feel so refreshed walking into a new set without having to like 
I haven't looked at the cards really. I'm not, I'm excited to like open packs and not know almost anything. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like good old days. And there's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jeff, let's go to a beer break. Let's get some more beers and let's talk about our worthless lots and see if they held up over time. Sounds good. All right, Jeff, I got a beer for us. It is one that we've had for a long time. And when I say we, I mean like Canada. And and it's surprising that we haven't done this one before. Like Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the first beers that I actually tried when I came to Canada. Uh, So that is Great Lakes Canuck. It's their pale ale. It is 5.2% and it's got this nice uh, picture of me on the front. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. Um, but anyway, you can find this a lot of different places. It's very classic, made in Etobicoke. So anyway, let's crack it and see if it can beat Major Tom. Yeah. I, and I just happen to be wearing my uh, Team Canada like soccer. Oh. Uh, I didn't know you were going to pick Canuck. But. Yeah. Yep, I I just thought I'd like to have both of these guys back to back and have our double IPA and our pale ale next to each other. Just see if we want something uh, a little smaller. Also, maybe maybe taller. people don't know this. I just realized, but uh, for those who might not know, Canuck is like a slang term for a Canadian. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, it's you know over in Vancouver, it's their uh, it's their, their hockey team, hockey team, yeah. right? So. Yeah. You hear it a bit more over there, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, that's it. Cheers to this beer. Mm. Uh, anyway, Jeff, let's go into our worth a slot segment. So as you know, every set we, uh, most every set, we do a uh, worth a slot during our uh, first sips episode for the cards we believe are worth a slot in your standard deck, usually standard deck. Now, in our happy hours, we like to look back on those cards and see if they actually were worth a slot or if we were just uh, blowing smoke up your ass. <laughs> so, d- are we ready to to look back at our? at our cards <laughs> let's do it so one maybe this is a, a, a good time to sort of bring up this mini discussion but like, it's true it's true we are doing this where the slot at, or sorry this uh happy this, hour uh, happy hour it's sort of an interesting time because uh like we don't really have a set for our intents and purposes that is coming in to replace this one mm-hmm. um but we decided for limited, it makes sense to do the happy hour at this point because we have Lord of the Rings coming in and replacing limited. Um, but these are all mostly constructed picks. Uh, so we're sort of a bit early on evaluating these. Um, ba- basically, what we're saying is that some of them might seem like they're not good enough yet. However, we still have the whole summer to give us yeah. time to show you that they're still good. That's that's a more succinct way to put what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> basically like like, uh i i did very poorly if we were like looking at the landscape today so i just want to give myself that excuse that back door that like hey there's still time but it's not just you man i i got some stinkers so uh there there's a possibility that we that there's still hope up there 
um, though Jeff did put some handcuffs on himself and decided he wanted to do it a very specific way this time around, but you know, yeah. that's fine. Uh, though with that being said, I guess, Jeff, let's just start with you then, since we're already talking about you, what was your, yeah. uh, your layup? Oh, by the way, um, if you don't know our worth of slots, we do all of them basketball themed. So of course we have a layup, a three pointer and a half court shot, obviously meaning easy, uh, harder and hardest, uh, to make it in the basket and or most yeah. least likely like to go in the basket that's what it is yeah that's that's the way i like to think of it yeah probability yeah probability there we go thanks dr math uh, <laughs> so if you were steph curry these would all be sure things mm. but like because you're us they actually yeah. have different probabilities of going in it's true i'm glad that you said steph curry that makes me really happy um <laughs> Anyway, Jeff, what's your layup? What's the card that's absolutely for sure going to make it in your standard deck? Like, really, just it, it's okay. on everyone's radar. So my layup, my sure thing to see play in standard was Stoke the Flames. Um, for those who don't know what Stoke the Flames is, <laughs> <laughs> two red red for an instant with Convoke that deals four damage to any target. Um so that was my way of saying this may not have panned out yet. Um, yeah, I still think this card is really, really powerful. Um, I do know that mono red is kind of on the rise in standard over the past week or so. I've been seeing it a lot. Like, I haven't been seeing it personally, but I'm seeing it pop up like on the internet. And you've been telling me you've been running mm. into it. I don't know that the vert like the lists I'm seeing around have to play Stoke the Flames. Uh, but I think they, there's room for it to be played there because it's a creature, very creature-heavy deck, and like getting that free spell to give you some reach in the late game could be something that the deck needs. So I think it's still possible. The card is individually powerful enough. Mm -hmm. I also think there could be some red-based creature decks that aren't mono-red that appear maybe with when new sets come out or just later on take advantage of this but uh you know so far i can't say that this this layup i'm gonna say it's still bouncing it's still bouncing around the, around rim. the rim just around roll the it around um i think that uh there, there might be a possibility of like you know that uh what was that uh it's like a is it creature uh, that whenever you cast instance and sorcery spells, you you make a a one one or non creature spells, you make a one one soldier whatever artifact thing. Um, yeah. So, in a deck like that, might be interested in this card, uh, being able to like a spells sure. based tokeny creature deck. Um, so there's still time. There's still time. Sometimes and that's where this really shined the first time it was printed. Mm -hmm. It was kind of in combination with a, a red card that was just three mana make three one ones. And that yeah. really accelerated Maybe. how powerful this card was. Yeah. Um, so it, as soon as people start playing sort of more token-based strategies or anything like that, this card really jumps in value. But I honestly think just the base card of like four mana instant speed damage, like this is like it's just really efficient. You can because you can make use of any extra creatures you have lying around that weren't able to to contribute. Um, mm -hmm. For sure. So I think this card is better than it looks. It might be a little underrated at the moment. And, uh, Interesting. I think it may have some weaknesses that my layup also has. 
mm-hmm. which is my layup is Bloodfeather Phoenix, um, which for those of you who don't know, because also this is a card that people may not have seen a lot of, is one in red for a 2-2 flyer phoenix that can't block, and whenever you cast an instant, oh sorry, whenever an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage to an opponent uh, or battle, you can pay one red and then return it from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains haste. Um, and so it's a recursive threat that can be uh, good in spell slinging decks like that. And Mono Red at the moment has some good instant sorcery spells that deal damage to opponents or battles. However, it doesn't have haste, and there's a lot of good haste creatures in Red, which I think also is the reason why Stoke the Flames doesn't really see play, because all those creatures are tapped attacking all the time. Um, yeah, Stoke the Flames is a lot better with non-hasters in the sense that you can play something that doesn't have haste, but it kind of has haste because it can tap for Stoke the Flames. Exactly. So it lets you play multiple cards in a turn without really giving anything up. Whereas when all your cards have haste, you're giving up the attack. Exactly. So I think both of these cards could be in a deck themselves, in a in a red deck, if every creature red played didn't have haste, but they have an abundance of haste creatures. So yeah, they you know it's gonna happen it could happen it could happen at some point but we'll see um i think we're both crossed kind of in the same boat with that um but jeff let's snake this one a little bit let's go into our three pointers um looking back your big big win that's why you want to get to it as soon as possible absolutely (laughs) are you fucking kidding me yeah so um my three-pointer, which was, I was back and forth at the time of this. I was back and forth between whether this was my layup or my three-pointer. And I ended up thinking it wasn't good enough for the layup because the deck that it was going into wasn't one of the best decks or yeah. vying to be. Um, not that the Blood Feather Phoenix was ever supposed to go into Rakdos mid-range, but this should have been my layup. I, I do say that. Um, it was Rona, Herald of Invasion which you all know from Esper Legends. Um, This card, man. It's good. It's good. This is like cut down, like hold up your cut down for it. Like that's like in in the matchup, in the mirror match, sorry, this is the card you kill. Like it's really important. (laughs) It's just wait. It's so good. It's It's the hand sculptor. Yeah, it's so good. Plus like if they ever drop Shieldred, they're gaining like, you know, six life off it. Yeah it's that's that's like the minimum yeah it's it's four at the minimum but like mm -hmm. probably more yeah so this card's great and um the upside of flipping it into its other side i've never seen it happen never Um, seen it happen either i actually forgot that until you just said that 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 was part of the card like Uh, i was literally trying like playing against uh, i was playing a mirror match because i've been playing esper legends and i was looking at the different creatures to kill and i know that this one's really important but it was late in the game where they didn't have very many cards in their hand and i was like wait fuck am i supposed to kill this so they don't flip it and then kill me uh i think i have to and so that became like important at that time but i've i still have never seen it flip so i don't know if that was on the radar or what but it's a good card Good two drop. Yeah. After playing against this card, I'm like, oh yeah, this card. This card's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> it's good. Stupid good. And all right, Jeff, what's your what's your uh three-pointer? What you got for us? 
Okay, I didn't do quite as well on my three point. I feel like Zach's was like a swish, and mm-hmm. mine just like it went into the fans, like didn't even didn't even touch. Yours the went right into the sideboard. Yeah, um, <laughs> out of bounds, didn't touch anything related to the net. Uh, oh god! It's scorn bleed berserker. Um, yeah, this pros one probably warrants a read. This is a, a one mana one or zero one with backup one that has tap one and sacrifices creature to draw a card. Now I have played this card in my mm-hmm. decks. Um, I actually do think it's a good card still. I was comparing it to Elvish Visionary last time. I now think about it a little differently. To me, this card is like village rights, but uh the advantage it gets over village rights is you don't need to have a creature already that you want to sack in order to like cast it. The disadvantage is it's a little more expensive because it costs you more mana to draw the two cards. Um, and obviously it comes with like a plus one plus one counter. But in the type of decks that want this card, it's a lot more like a village rights. It's a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right way to think about okay. it. Um and I think it does a great job of that. It's just like, there's not really a village rights deck at the moment. So that's why this was a three pointer. Um, you need it, it would only ever go in a very specific kind of deck. Uh, but if that deck ever sort of becomes a thing, I think you'll see more of this card because the mm-hmm. card is is good at what it does. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. I have played some of your decks and I, I see the potential there, but I also see that the way I play those decks, it doesn't do what I want it to do. And so then I side it out, um, yeah. which is hence the siding out joke. Um, yep. But it was also, I think, I that, that. Wow. <clears throat> that. Oh, it goes straight to the sideboard. And by, yeah. and by and by, got it. I mean, you explained it to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> the major Tom. I blame major Tom. Yeah, major Tom. <laughs> that was a major Tom. Um, but I can see the potential. However, I think that potential is in someone else's hands, and it's not mine. So I mm-hmm. am fully prepared to say that this card is significantly better for you than it is for me, and. Um, and I could have seen that by reading the card, but I have tried it. And I think I've just decided that, uh, I need to watch you stream or something for a while to understand exactly how you're using this. Cause I don't know, but, uh, I feel let like, me, let me just it... say if this card was a Phyrexian, I would love it. Gotcha. For sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Cause I've even been looking for the second one <clears> drop <throat> in that deck. I've tried everything. Yeah, but if this was, and every time I come across this card, I'm like, should I just play it? I'm like, it sucks so much though that it's not of the tribe for my tribal. <clears> That's true because you will forget. However, it doesn't attack very well, so does it matter? <clears throat> if it had plus one, plus one, and menace, be more interested in attacking with it. But That's yeah, true. Um, I mean, I, zero... I mostly just mean I want to be able to sack the zero one to my. Um, my sack engine sure but i'm oh sure because you can't you can't sack it to yeah that makes sense um i will say a zero one with menace is really interesting i do like that idea 
zero one menace backup one. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess technically menace would have to be below the backup, but whatever. Um, depends what you want. Yeah, it depends what you want. Jeff, let's you move want the on to be good or bad. <laughs> let's move on to our half court shots. Okay, cool. So. Again, just so everyone knows, these are like the cards. They, they tend to be just the cards we want to be good, but we know probably aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we usually pick ones we think have an outside chance of actually doing something. Yeah. Uh, so mine was uh, Elvish Fat Keeper. Um, this is, you know, I, I was going to say it's a limited all-star. I don't even know if I've played enough limited to, to guarantee that. It seems like it would be. Um, I don't know if it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> Like I think black green maybe I don't know if black green is good but if it if black green were good I feel like this card would be good but anyways the three three for one black green one of UTBs you incubate two it is a Phyrexian elf you can have five mana to transform an incubator and double the plus one plus one counters that come onto it mm-hmm. so you pay a little more than double to transform something um, but you get double the counters. Mostly, I think, just like as a 3-3 that incubates two, my reasoning was like it mostly gets there. And then you have this late game ability that would be relevant in the type of deck that wants this. So um, I think there is still the possibility that there's some sort of Abzan incubator thing here. Uh, And I think you might play this card if that happens. Um, it's just like people aren't exploring that because there's so many more obvious decks to play. Yeah, um, like decks. Why would, why would I work so hard? Yeah, and part of the working hard is that the mana isn't super there. Right, um, that's that's the big thing, right? There's no yeah. Abzan Triland. Yeah, so because when I was playing Abzan Legends, it was like my mana was kind of fucked up. So rough. It's all like pain lands. Yeah, compare it's all pain lands and like when you're playing legends, then it's like you can play Plaza of Heroes, which is like a godsend. But like besides that, it just it makes it makes Abzan so hard. So then I'd rather play just Golgari so you only have four pain lands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can try to deal with the rest of it. Um and then I'm not sure the incubate support is there without the white cards. Yeah, so it's not enough. It just it only goes tall and not like wide, um, mm-hmm. but I do think you know a three mana three three would which incubates two in limited is good. Um, as far as like talking about it as a limited all star, I'm not not saying too much, but like um, like the it is hard because the other slot you have in this deck for three mana is like Glissa. If you're playing green black, and Glissa is like so awesome that i have a a harder time with it but i just think the incubate the absent incubate deck in general didn't come together and i do think that it's the mana's issue like i think it has a fighting chance if the mana is like doesn't hurt so much but it hurts a lot yeah the mana is brutal you're losing probably about six life at least in that game yeah to your which is ridiculous which is ridiculous yeah it's way (laughs) too much so luckily at least the incubate tokens don't cost uh life to 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 use but yeah woof i you know what jeff i will commend you on sticking to like uncommons for like all of your worth of slots though like (laughs) yeah 
I, was, I tried it. I gave it a shot. I really loved it. And I also felt really stupid afterwards thinking like, man, he's going to like really nail it with all these uncommons that are really going <laughs> to fix it. So just so you know, that is how I felt. Also, you can totally laugh because my all my stuff, like I had one that was a home run and then the other ones were very flat and I didn't even hit the right. home run on the one it was supposed to be a home run. So like, we're good, you know, right? like it's fine. Um, <laughs> Cause my half court shot was invasion of a Coria, which you've never seen ever. I know um, <laughs> it's uh X green green for a battle <laughs> siege. I just talked about how much I hate battles. Well, here you go. Uh, it's yeah. six defense. Sorry, and, I'm um, just reading it now. Yeah, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library and or graveyard for a non-human creature card with mana value X or less, put it onto the battlefield, and shuffle your library. Uh, basically, it's like a different type of Court of Calling at sorcery speed. Um, this is the second time I've tried to be excited about a card like this. And ultimately, yeah. I think, you know what? Cards like this are not cards that I like or care about, and I should stop pretending that I do. Like, they look big and splashy, but I don't like them. And if Court of Calling didn't have instant speed, it wouldn't be the card it is. So stop thinking that any card... This is me talking to myself, sorry. Stop yeah. thinking any card with X, green, something, something, is it, that tutors creatures is Court of Calling because it has to be instant speed or it's nothing. I mean, so. Green Sun Zenith is pretty awesome, but Green Sun Zenith mm -hmm. is literally just like, it's efficient. It's X, green. Yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about it. The The transformed version of this card is a giant dinosaur, and it doesn't matter because you'll never see it. So, um, uh, yeah, this is uh, the, the idea that green would resurge in this set because of all the green support that we were getting. Um, I do agree that there was some good green support. I don't agree that it actually came back or anything happened or it doesn't matter. Um, even with the bannings, you know, we don't have a mono green stompy deck. Tribute to the World Tree didn't survive. Pulukrinos Reborn isn't strong enough. We haven't. We haven't seen it, so. Not yet. Not yet. You keep trying, Green Mages. Yeah, yeah. You we still trying. we had a summer, and if you could make Invasion of Ikoria be like the all star of your deck, that would be amazing, amazing, yeah. and I would love it. So please do that. But yeah, but yeah, sorry. Wah wah. Um, with that, just a refresher to make sure that we're all solid with our overrated, underrated cards. Uh, I personally picked Eurobraska's being overrated, which whether people were actually overrating it at the start or not, maybe it was just me. I think that's what we landed on. It was I was overrating it, and I have in fact decided it was uh, bad. It is. No one plays that card, yeah, and no I feel vindicated. Jeff. No, there was a lot of discussion about it, for sure. Um, some people loved it, some people hated it. So I would still say on the balance rating it as overrated is fine because some people are talking about it being like the best card ever um yeah i put monastery mentor probably the exact same thing can be said i mm -hmm. never seen anyone play this card but i've also never seen anyone try to play this card so was it overrated like or did everyone just mm -hmm. know it was terrible um, yeah that one's hard uh you picked an underrated card and i didn't pick any because the set did not give me an underrated card in my mind but what was yeah. yours 
All right, so I picked Invasion of Segovia. Um, this is the token maker, Blue Invasion. It makes two Krakens uh, with Trample, and then it flips into like a serpent. Um, <laughs> I Again, it's hard with these. Like Nobody, nobody plays this card, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like, ha-ha, this card was played like I predicted. Um, but I still think... I, I think there are a ton of cards in this set that people just aren't even trying that have some potential. I'm happy that this was on the list because I forgot that this was a card, even like whatever, <laughs> like the two months it's been since we've looked at it. Yeah. And this card is like awesome. And I would totally like if someone played this against me, I'd be so stoked because yeah. this card is, is awesome and should be played. So I don't, I it you know what honestly going through this list again is making me more excited for this summer than I was thinking because like I was kind of on a downward trend as far as like the summer of standard and be like oh we're stuck with the same set the whole time and there's no refresh and now it's like look at all these cards that maybe got unlocked with some of the bannings that people aren't even thinking about yet so yeah that's what i was saying when i like was looking through the card list to prepare for this show i was like oh yeah that card and that card Mm -hmm. so Um, it's awesome it's it's awesome um i unfortunately did not have an underrated card uh but we are moving to the last portion of our happy hour which is our favorite cards these don't have to be good these don't have to be whatever they're just our favorite cards and we're going to do four different i don't know uh, portions of this, which is limited standard explorer and art for the cards. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to start, um, Mm -hmm. for limited. Now my favorite card, I was going back and forth about this for a while, but this card fits the bill perfectly because it is a card I could never pass whenever I saw it. And I think it's the number one reason why I have not been able to be successful in <laughs> limited. And that is a card we've already talked about tonight, but it's Thalia and the Gitrog monster because I opened that and sealed when I played it. I forced it into my, my like pre-release deck. And then when I was playing again at the regional championships, I picked this card again. And that was just the worst decision. But for whatever reason, I see that card and I must need it and have it. So every time I see this card, I pick it. So it it has to be my favorite limited card because I don't know why, but I just pick it every single time. (laughs) I I love picking a mythic rare as your favorite limited card (laughs) and actually having a reasonable explanation. (laughs) And especially because it's a team up card that I hate team up cards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I hate this everything about this card, but I love this card but, limited where it's not good. Yeah, it's definitely not good limited, but <laughs> there's a part of me that must love it because I can't stop picking it. So this is more yeah. of a subconscious choice, you know, yeah. like there's some part of me that loves this, but I, I cannot give it, tell you why. I don't know why. That's amazing. Um, yeah, for me, I feel like basically... I didn't play enough limited, maybe, but basically I identified early on that Knights was my deck. 
and mm-hmm. knights just kept coming to me. So I drafted a disproportionate number of knights. And so this was the card that I'll pick because I, I drafted so many of these. And I just, when I read the card and understood what it did, I was like, this is so stupid. But that card is Xurex Strobe Knight, uh, <laughs> which is like the 2-2 Flying Vigilance that makes yeah. more knights. I think he's uh, like, Xerox. Xerox yeah, is what I call it's, them. It's, a, it's actually a, a, a photocopy of a Strobe mm-hmm. Knight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he does like make copies of exactly. Knights, so don't you think Xerox Strobe Knight? Yeah, pretty good. Xerox, uh, good mm-hmm. old Xerox. I don't know. But I remember like playing only a couple of games with this card, and you're like, "Wait, what the fuck? This mm-hmm. feels so unfair." <laughs> it has flying vigilance. It then taps to like cast a convoke spell, which then helps like. Uh, if I don't have a convoke spell, it has its own tap ability. Like, come on. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the card that I that, that derailed my drafts the most because I was like, "Oh man, there's a strobe knight." And it's like fourth pick. Guess I'm going knights again. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Oh man. Um so Jeff with uh standard, do you have a favorite standard card? Now, I do want to remind everyone this is technically the March of the Machine happy hour. However, we are including aftermath cards if they happen to come up. Because well, sometimes they do. And they're, you know, we have no real happy hour for that specific set. We're going to lump it all together. So yeah. not to tell you you have to pick an aftermath card, Jeff, but <laughs> that wasn't the lead in. But I just want you to know that it's on the table. Yeah, no, that's a good call out. I totally forgot about aftermath. Um, yeah, no, my favorite standard card, without a doubt, is a uh, little known sorcery called Glistening Deluge. Um, it's one black black. You gotta be fucking kidding me! No, there's no <laughs> way. That's a fucking lie. You're you're lying to me. <laughs> you no, son right. of a bitch. No, <laughs> I feel like the toxic deck was just overpowered, and finally we get an answer to it after all this time. No, fuck getting you, beaten fuck down you. by toxic. Fuck you. <laughs> finally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my real choice was between Omnixilis and Bloated Processor. Maybe it's mm. recency bias, but I decided to go with Bloated Processor. Nice. Um, that card is just so good. I wish it could sack itself, but I also acknowledge that if it could sack itself, it would be busted. Um, it, it's a great card. It's so uh, good. And I, at this point, have played more of this than I've played with uh, Omnixilis, but... Both are top tier sacrifice deck cards, and uh, yeah. I wish they went in the same deck. That's all. Yeah, I think <laughs> that um, I also wish that Bloated Processor sacrificed to itself, mm-hmm. just because Sunfall exists. Yep. Yeah, that would be. It just make the deck a little too impervious. Like it makes you realize how dumb some of the old sacrifice cards were. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because there's literally nothing you could do. If I have this on the battlefield, there's nothing you could do about that. <laughs> like I, I'm going to sack my whole board and then sack this and get a huge token. Like, yeah, that's like every single time. Like that's just what's going to happen. Nothing you can do. So you have to wipe the board that will do nothing and then yeah. kill an artifact. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it would be too. It would be a little too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I do, I still like am sitting there when the sun, sun fall and being like, oh, the scarf should sack itself. You're like, I need village rights in my dick or yeah. corrupted whatever because it's the same card. It was um, very much like like a, a lesser, less extreme version of like the backside of Fable should have haste. You know? Like, yeah, it, it, it yeah, totally It actually should. definitely shouldn't, but. Yeah, but it feels like it should. Right? But yes, it would, it would be better if it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at a couple different cards for my favorite standard card from the set um but i think ultimately the one that stands out the most actually is from aftermath which is uh calyx guided by fate this card yeah. uh was one of the ones where we were reading it and you're like you should know what this card does and i'm like yeah i didn't really care for the first calyx so i didn't really care for the second one mm-hmm. until i actually got to play with it and really do it and Oh, buddy, it's so good, so nice. It's a yeah. really good, fun card. Um, it's also so interesting because it's another piece of the puzzle of like an interesting auras deck slash enchantment deck that like does card advantage differently. It's okay. like, hey, here's more white card advantage, which is so interesting. And like everyone's like, oh, we should just let them draw cards. No. It's more interesting to let them draw cards in ways that other people don't draw cards, which makes it really cool and fun. Like Absolutely. Like, it's deck-building restrictions, and I get good card advantage, but from a weird way you don't expect. And it has some conditions, but it's still really powerful. So um, I think this card did a really good job of that, and I would like to continue to see enchantment-based card advantage this way, as opposed to more enchantresses like hey play enchantment draw card that's boring i'm tired like not that i'm tired of it but like it's it's boring it's it's just there's so many so this is so much cooler and i I really like it calyx is a really cool card so yeah um yeah but just sort of similar thing where i was just like i'm just not gonna read that i'm sure it's dumb totally (laughs) because like the planeswalker was kind of dumb so that's what I thought this one was going to be. I was completely wrong. Uh, and I will stand by that. This card's awesome. Loved it. It's the best card in Aftermath. <laughs> oh, well, second best. <laughs> um, Third best. I forgot about Nissa. Yeah. Um, Jeff, do you have a best Explorer card? Because I have one locked and loaded. Uh, why don't you go ahead then continuing in snake draft fashion I do have my pick but, okay uh, I was going to say because I'm pretty sure that ours are the same pick possibly so like <laughs> I'm just going to like throw that out there um, fairy mastermind is of course my favorite explorer card yeah. Um, yeah I thought it was your probably favorite as well um, slips right into rogues super fun super good also rogues. it is What's really good about this card is that, like, it can flash in at the perfect point, get the card advantage you need at that moment, and then your opponents think it's much more dire or important in your game plan than it actually is. That's the thing. Like, I don't think I've ever actually activated this ability because Rogues never wants to really activate this ability. It's so expensive. 
but mostly just because this thing died. This isn't like a fucking mm-hmm. lightning rod that will kill this over my soaring thought thief. And I'm always like, well, that was wrong, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I already got a card out of this or like whatever. Like, <laughs> my soaring thought thief is really the problem here. Um, yeah, no, Perry Mastermind was great. I, I love, I love Utah's card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it. The, there is only one thing at this moment that sucks about it is that it's bad against Shieldred, the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that deck, when you're playing against, because obviously Fable's still around at Explorer, so when you're playing against that deck and they draw a bunch of cards, because they tend to draw a bunch of cards on their turn, you end up drawing cards when you have this out, and you have to figure out how to kill this or you die. So. Yeah. It's one of those interesting things where you like flash this in in response to like Fable Chapter Two. And you're like, haha. And then they slap Shieldred down, and you're like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> stuff like that tends to happen often enough. So, it, if your opponent knows how it interacts with their deck specifically and Shieldred, they will try to keep it around. So, be wary of it. But I do agree that like it is a lightning rod and um, letting it soak up some removal spells isn't the worst thing. And having a, like a flash two power creature is nice because a lot of your flash creatures are one power dependent. Yeah. So. Yeah, I still like I'm still run into the story in my version. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's just funny you mentioned children because like I it's happened a disturbing number of times that I'm like, oh yeah, children. I just click okay. And I'm like, no, I have into the story in my hand. <laughs> no, I'm supposed to cast that in response. Yeah, <laughs> like, and you're like, <laughs> fuck. And no. how, how can I make this mistake more than once? Or so the amount of times somebody draws their second card for the turn and I was going to flash in uh, um, Yuda. Yeah. And I just forgot. Just like end step it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? I was like, I always I, give the oops after that. I'm yeah. just like, yep, guess that on end step, even though you drew, you tapped out to draw um, more cards. Yeah, you you tapped out to divination. I fucking <laughs> play. I, yep, go ahead, divination. <laughs> I'm not okay. gonna, I'm not gonna counter that. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that happens. New a lot. play patterns are funny. Um, yes, they are. So this card definitely shook up the play patterns for that deck. <clears throat> but yeah. super, super happy to have it. And we were really hoping for this. Like when you won uh, over a year ago, a year and a half ago, yeah. we were waiting for this card. So it feels good yeah. to have. We're like It's going to be a rogue, right? Like mm-hmm. the fact that it's a fairy rogue, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, perfect. So that was going to be my pick. But I had it in the off chance that you didn't choose it, so okay. I had some other. I had some other picks. Okay, I thought, I I thought pretty, we were. I was pretty. Yeah, I was just ready to go. Like we're just picking that card, but I'm ready yeah. for your next one. Let's let's see All what right. it is. And Obnixilis also almost made the cut here. He was another. Um, wow. He, he was another narrowly edged out. But the the reality is, like, I actually haven't played him very much in explorer i want to play him but i actually haven't done it yeah because an explorer what i spend most of my time on just having a ton of fun with was uh sultai delirium 
And so the card from this set that most makes that happen, which is super funny because I've been, you know, we've been shit talking battles the whole night. Um, <laughs> it is a battle. Uh, and that was Invasion of Amon Cat. It's like perfect mm-hmm. in that deck because it comes down, it mills, and then uh, it reanimates stuff. And I have a bunch of, like, I'm self milling constantly. I have a bunch of creatures that are really worth reanimating. I have two drops that can attack this like right away. Um, and of course, most important thing, it gives a new card type to the Delirium deck. Yeah. So this is like the thing that sort of from this set makes Delirium worth reconsidering uh, in Explore. And I've I've just had so much fun building that deck. It's, it's very similar to the Phyrexian deck I talked about last week in Standard, where the, the first iteration was garbage mm-hmm. and so different from what i have now and now i feel like i've gotten to a place where the deck does okay and can win some games and stuff but i feel like there's room to improve so like both decks are kind of in that same point mm-hmm. um, but invasion of emma gets sort of a big part of, of that deck so that's probably the card from the set i've played the most in explorer nice that's great that's <laughs> that's awesome um as far as favorite art on a card, yes. do you have anything that jumps out at you right away? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a card that uh, I've loved the art. And I think I even mentioned this when mm-hmm. previews were coming out for this set. Um, I've loved the art on this card. And now it's a card I play all the time as well. So I just get reminded and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where like I thought about, you know, oh, I love this card. Maybe I should buy the alternate art or whatever for for however much gold Mm -hmm. of the cool version but i'm like i just like the original art better and that's elishnorn i think the art on this card is cool um magali villeneuve is like really talented Mm -hmm. i I basically always love the pieces that they they put forward and like i can always pick out their style as well and so i think i said like pretty sure that elishnorn is is her Mm -hmm. um but now that I play with it more, it like reminded me of when I first saw previews, I was like, oh yeah, I'm whatever about this card, but the art is awesome. And now that I'm not whatever about the card and play it all the time, I'm like, oh yeah, this art is awesome. Yeah. yeah so that, that's my pick for this. I Both I, sides. Both sides are great. Both sides. Yeah. I, I also really like the art on that card. And um, it, it also doesn't have like this specific... Um, she tends like I've said this before, but like she tends to have like the viewer kind of lower to the ground. So they're mm-hmm. um, the the piece. Uh, we always have like a really strong character, usually a female character, uh, towering over us as the viewer. And in this specific one, it's not that that um, placement of our focus isn't so low to the ground. We're a little bit higher, which is interesting in a set where. Elish Norn is the big baddie, but isn't actually uh, overpowering us, as opposed to cards like uh, Chandra Torture Defiance or, mm-hmm. or a couple of those Planeswalkers where like we're trying to feel the gravitas of them. This one almost feels like it's not... Elish Norn isn't impeding her power or, or oppressive to us when we look at her. It's a little bit more seductive in the way she's holding the... Uh, the pieces of the, the, I don't know, snake 
thing. I don't know yeah, what that is, that, whatever, whatever that is. is. But it has a little bit more of a tenderness to it as a motherly touch than some of the other mm-hmm. fierce pieces that we've seen from her, which is really cool. And when I think of her, I always think of like, oh, um, thick thighs, like really yeah. uh, uh, like t- towering figures. And this piece has similar components to it, but doesn't completely encapsulate that, which is really cool. Um, mm. I actually randomly of of the pieces, and I think I've talked about this um, before, but my I think my favorite art, it feels super weird to say this, but um, it's actually of Seed of Hope from this illustrator is Gabo Lips. I don't know if that's right, but that's how I perceive sure. that that yeah. name. Um, but it's a card that is played in some limited decks, but basically of this whole, uh, we have all these different figures of like war and destruction and invasion and team ups and triumphs and, and different things. This is like, a piece at the end, which isn't even part of Aftermath, but it's Teferi, who's he's basically um, burying the seed of um, Ren into the ground. And it's just this peaceful moment of like his reflection of what has happened. And there's like some flowers in the background and he's just kind of very solemn and, and slow and calm. And it just has always struck me as so different and also f- almost feels out of place in the set uh, in, a, in mm-hmm. a way that like not just the art, but also the card is usually something I didn't want to take. <laughs> right. So I, I did see it often enough in a draft that I would look at it more often than other cards, which I think sometimes has an effect on me where it's like, I spend more time looking at the art of a card. I'm not going to pick um than uh the ones that i do so this art has stuck with me a little bit more just because of the peacefulness it brings to the set as opposed to uh everything else yeah i don't think i've ever actually like actually looked at the art of this mm-hmm. card just read it and was like nah and then, <laughs> yeah um, yeah i don't have like the artistic know-how to really describe what i'm trying to convey here but what i like one thing i like about this piece is teferi is quite uh detailed Mm -hmm. but then as you move away from teferi it's kind of like well this is grass and it's just sort of broad strokes grass design or like this is a magic or fire or whatever that's happening here um and it just gets very like uh it kind of blends, the it blends together right yeah yeah like, exactly uh, it, it, I it, that's really cool cool way of making the focus to fairy uh, totally i think that's exactly what it is is that it's it's a a piece that isn't using a camera but it is using the idea that like it's focusing on a certain spot or a person and then everything mm-hmm. else is kind of out of focus um, without it actually being out of focus because it's a painting. Right. So you um, don't have that in your uh, wheelhouse, but definitely. Yeah, really, it's a cool, uh, cool piece for sure. Really interesting stuff. Um, anyway, Jeff, 
we're at the end. This is this is it. This is our this is our happy hour. Um, do you have anything to say before our last call? Before we go into the ratings of the beers? No, uh, other than like nice. <laughs> I want to reiterate that for constructed, I do like this set. You know, we were joking in uh, the in the break. Zach and I were joking that we should re- rename this the Unhappy Hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of that is just with a set with so much going on, it's easier to talk about the stuff that didn't land. Um, I think this set, like I said at the top, did do a great job of conveying the the war and the gravitas of the situation mm-hmm. and providing a lot of interesting cards to build around. It's just like the caveat of that is that it provided interesting cards by being so complicated that some of them are bound to be interesting. Yeah. Um, which kind of uh, for us was a, a detriment in the, to the limited format success. Um but obviously for other people, it's great. So it just depends kind of what you like. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think sometimes it's easy to come in and say, oh, I didn't love battles. I don't really like the idea of the, the commander pairs. Mm-hmm. And then this set was way too complicated. And people were like, he hated this set. It's like, I actually liked this set because it gave me a lot of tools that I'm going to play around with, uh, you know, in standard for a while. Um, but I also do think these things, some of these things could have done better or could have been executed differently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard because like, like we've said on this show or just like what happens in life is that it's very easy to like lean into the negative of stuff and then like really get excited about it and want to continue to like kind of shit on, on things, mm-hmm. which uh, happens to us and happens a little bit tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, and it can be fun to to lean into that, but like you said, ultimately with with constructed, I think specifically is that like a lot of these cards that even if I didn't like the actual initial idea or the way that they like approach this or like the way things happened, I'm excited to if these cards come up, it'll be very exciting. If someone ends up building decks that are like, um. I don't know, any of the team-ups that I, I wasn't really into or like Karizev and like Baral or like something like that. That's like so awesome. Like I would be stoked if I saw that on the battlefield. Like, oh, you found this and this is what you did? Like that's so sick. Like, so I am really interested and excited for those types of things. I just will not be the person doing it, um, mm-hmm. which I've said many times before. Uh, but I love seeing that innovative types of things and none of those have i mean okay maybe i'm being hypocritical because to be fair the card that i like a lot is thalia and the get drug monster so like maybe maybe i'm i'm a specific person that loves thalia and the get drug monster and then a lot of other people are like oh but this is the best team up version whatever and right. i'm like well if it's not thalia and the other monster stupid <laughs> so maybe i'm literally that person and like i just don't know it like that could easily be it. So uh, I take that fault as my own. Um, that's totally fine. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of the sets, what people build with these decks, what standards going to look like in August. All those things sound really interesting to me. 
and I can't wait to evolve and to continue to grow with this set. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see what happens in this three years of standard we have with this set. Uh, all right, Jeff, let's talk about some beers. I, I am ready. So we have two beers to rate this evening. And uh, as always, we rate our beers on a scale from bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. Uh, this has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently, because everyone is in different tiers at different times. But with that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. You can't really finish them. We've never rated a beer bronze before, but, you know, maybe uh, we'll, we'll find one maybe sooner one or later. Day. Yeah, we'll, we'll rate a beer bronze. But they're, yeah, ugh, yucky. Silver beers are sort of just uninteresting. Uh, macro brews will find themselves here. Gold beers are fine, but you wouldn't really think about them or drink them often. Platinum is the next step up. They're super solid, and you would drink them again. Uh, diamond beers are exceptional. You would bring these to parties. You show these to friends. You really like these and have them in your fridge a lot of the time. And Mythic is the absolute best of the best, just the chef's kiss of beer. Mm. These are the glistening deluges of the beer. Oh, world. you fucking, you stop <laughs> with that. <laughs> just perfect design. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. Hey, look at this cool deck we built. Like, fuck you, next set. Um, anyway, whatever. My camera is fuzzy. Oh, it's better now. Cool, sweet. Um, Jeff, let's get this over with. Let's pick our favorite beer for the episode. You got it in your hand? I do, yeah. Here you go. Three, two, one. Major talk. What? Though. I know. Fuck I know. You just probably a surprise. You are disgusting and I hate you. <laughs> what the what is happening right now? All right, tell yeah. me, tell me. What are we gonna start with? We're start? gonna start with Canuck because I want you to explain to me why you would be such a this is the most <laughs> egregious, this is the worst, <laughs> this is the worst thing. I think Canuck is fine. It's a it's a pale ale. You gotta it's be pretty kidding good. Me. <laughs> it's uh <laughs> I've had Canuck a million times, right? So it just like to me is sort of a quintessential pale ale. It's it's not gonna wow you when you have it. I feel like but you're fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh there's nothing wrong with it. So this is a good benchmark pale ale. I'll give this uh it was a platinum. Uh, Canuck is okay. I don't like it very much, and I try not to drink it very often, so this is gold for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Major Tom? Let's talk about Major Tom. Let's talk about Major Tom. I didn't really like it. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. I was bummed. I was bummed. I was expecting it to be really good, and then I thought it was like just just kind of okay, which maybe is more of an expectation versus reality thing. Okay. Like, this is so much worse than Twice as Mad Tom for me. <laughs> I don't know. It tasted like like Citra and uh, juice. <laughs> I just like Citra juice. I I love this beer so much. <laughs> 
I was oh, like, great. I think this is better than Twice as Bad Tom. Oh, I was no. like, I was like, no. this is so good. I was like, I want more of this right now. <laughs> it is so smooth and so juicy and tasty. Oh, Exactly. I, it was. It was I, I loved this. This is, this is citra juice, man. It was so good. It's citra and mosaic <laughs> and Amarillo. <laughs> yeah, I only really tasted goat. the citra. I didn't um, realize it actually tells you what's in it at the back. Yeah, it's got Amarillo, four. Mosaic and four. Yeah. Amarillo. Um, I, Amarillo. Yeah. I, I think I said Amarillo earlier, but like. Yeah, I think I literally just said it. So it's fine. It's it's uh I I I don't even know if I can say okay, what I was it goes say. twice as mad Tom, Mad Tom, Major Tom. No. No, I yeah. think um like it could be just this night. I don't know what it is, but I loved Major Tom. I'm gonna give this mythic. Loved it. I, that's I'm, awesome like, i have there's another i was actually one wondering if that was gonna happen when i was drinking it because i was like this is like too juicy they need yeah. to like tone down the juice level of this and so i was like but i wonder if that means zach is really enjoying it mm. <laughs> um, i took the first sip and i tried not to make a face at you but i was like this is very good <laughs> i'm gonna give it platinum Ooh. And my 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 system is that twice as mad as mythic, mad mad Tom is diamond, and major Tom is platinum. Then, <laughs> <sighs> what a bummer! Because I like major <laughs> Tom absolutely better than mad Tom. Um, mm. and twice as mad Tom is really good, but both of those would be better if they had more major Tom in them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, wow. Do you like the giant can? Maybe, maybe that should. Be, no, I'm gonna stick in platinum. Really, I was the giant say, can almost propels it to diamond. That's funny because I have the exact opposite. Because I think the giant can is <laughs> the only reason. Like, if anything, <laughs> the if only thing any holding slight, it back. <laughs> because it doesn't fit in my fridge right. Like I like the uh, shelves. Yeah, yeah they don't fit correctly. But anyway. Major Tom, it's uh, very good. Go get it. Ooh, that was hilarious. That was one of the biggest disagreements on the show, I think. And, been... and uh, <laughs> most surprising disagreements. Because I thought you would love this for sure. Like, anyway. Um, yeah. Didn't deliver what I was looking for. That's so weird. Anyway, Jeff, let's go to closing time. Let's get out of this yeah. stuff. Um, if you want to talk to us, uh, the podcast, about what you think about these beers or like what I don't even know anymore because Jeff has just just blown up everything I thought that I knew about beers. It's just, this um, doesn't taste like Mad Tom at all. That's all I'm saying. It's just like a different beer. I know. They're that's why it's... To, they're using the Tom name to try to just like get people to buy this completely different beer. I, I know won't it, stand for it. I won't stand for that. It's so much better than Mad Tom, though. Like it's <laughs> the exact. That's so funny when you said like, oh. The, both beers would be better if they had some more major Tom in them. I was like, this would be better if it actually had some Mad Tom in it. Yeah. What I was thinking. It Which like, like Mad Yeah. Tom. Which, like, Mad Tom is, like, a good beer. I remember it being good. And then Twice as Mad is, like, good because it's, like, more alcohol. But this one's like, yeah. oh, it's so much better. <laughs> like, I'm so glad it's, like, not, not like those other beers at yeah. all. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Um, 
Anyway, you can always talk to us at Arena uh, Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You also find us on MTG Arena itself, probably playing Rogues. Our username will be Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That is Z-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? The best place to find me is on our Discord channel. I go by Regular Jeff. Uh, The link for that should be in the show notes. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Leave us a review there and go to our YouTube channel. Give a comment, give a like, subscribe, all the different kinds of things. We love to hear feedback and we'd love to talk to you. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that the best cyborg card in standard is Glistening Dalish. Good night. All right, that's fine.